You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey everybody, it is Wednesday evening, time for American Winer. How's everybody doing? My name is Alex. Welcome to the show. My guest tonight, joining us from just down the street, uh, local actress, uh, ceramic artist, and many other things, Miss Maria Kelly. How are you? Hey Alex, I'm doing great. That's great. Thanks for coming in. It uh, you just you informed me that you live right near here, so that's nice to know that it wasn't a long journey. Some people have to drive in for quite a while, but uh, nope, not three you. minutes. No, nope, easy peasy. All righty. Well, uh, I start off the interview with the same question every time. The question is, where were you born? Ah, I was born in Evanston, Illinois. Evanston, Illinois. Did you grow up in Evanston? I did not. I grew up in a small uh, suburb outside of Minneapolis called Apple Valley. Apple Valley. That is the most American name for a small town <laughs> i've ever heard um so uh when did so when did you move from evanston to apple valley then i think my parents moved there when i was around three years old oh, okay so you have no memory of evanston really then no none at all and what was growing up in apple valley like what did you what were your interests what did you do let's see um for a while i tried athletics a bunch of my friends in elementary school were into basketball. You tried them. I tried them. <laughs> and uh, we got to pick our own name. Our our team was the Vi Queens. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because, you know, Minnesota. Yeah. And um, I didn't know anything about basketball other than my friends were playing. And, you know, I was horrible, really, what? truly horrible. And I tried to do that going into middle school. And uh, my mother said, um, you know, why don't you try out for the school play? She was the building secretary, and so she knew all about the drama program there mm-hmm. and uh, tried out for a play and uh, was on the basketball team. So I felt like, you know, I should honor my obligation. So I went and talked to the coach, and I said, Coach, I got in the school play, but, you know, I'm committed to the basketball team. I'm here for you, and I can drop out of the play. And she said, you know, Maria, why don't you do the play? And that's how I started doing things. And how old were you? <laughs> I think I was in sixth or seventh grade. So 11 or 12 then. Yeah. So middle school is yeah. when that happened. Yeah, middle school. Um, so that was that worked out pretty damn well then. I bet you weren't expecting that to happen. Huh? You're <laughs> like, well. And that was so uh, so responsible of you too at that age to say, well, you know, because I, I mean, did you want to do the play more than the basketball or I was conflicted because you know I my friends are on the team and I I really wanted to be a good basketball player mm-hmm. uh but uh, she she said no we'll come and see you we'll sit in the front row and cheer you on this is better What a what a what a nice coach <laughs> <laughs> I guess so <laughs> yeah. Um so uh, you said your your mom was a secretary for the school. Yes. Uh, what did your dad do? Uh, let's see. He did an awful lot of things. My first memory of him was selling Century Insurance, mm-hmm. and that's because he had a nameplate that he had stuck on his file cabinet at our house. Um, and then, like a lot of folks in the seventies, he got laid off and went through a whole bunch of you know what colors my parachute midlife crisis kinds of things. Uh, drove a school bus for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Sold Amway for a while and then ended up with an organization called National Write Your Congressman, which was actually a pretty cool thing, nonpartisan. And it's basically a way for business people to stay involved with politics. And so they mail you the current issue and then you can fill out your feelings about it and it goes right to your representative. And did he start that or what, what did he do? No, no. He um, he sold memberships. Oh, OK. So he would go, you know, door to door businesses and say, you know, 
you want to stay involved so you know it's going to impact your business and I've got the way for you to do it, blah, blah, blah. So, That's a, so he's a salesman, though, yeah, essentially. Oh, he's yes. selling all sorts of stuff there. Absolutely. So to make ends meet, mom had to go to work and uh, she started out as the building secretary at our middle school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we couldn't get in trouble because she was right there by the principal. <laughs> right. And eventually she ended up as the secretary for the director of elementary education. Hmm. So wow. she kind of made her way up. Yeah. She retired. Climbed the ladder. She climbed the ladder. Um, why did they move to Apple Valley? Like why specifically this small town in Minnesota? I'm sure it had something to do with my father's job, but uh, a real estate developer, Orrin Thompson, was opening up a new division. And it, the Apple Valley was the idea that every house got an apple tree in its yard. Um, pretty, you know, cookie cutter, Brady Bunch. So they literally, you had an apple tree in your yard then? Yes, we did. Did we it had, produce apples? Yes, it did. Could you eat the apples? I don't remember eating the apples. I remember them getting sort of mushy and wormy on the ground. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was that kind of an apple tree. It was then. that kind of an apple tree. My parents planted apple trees in, in their backyard um, years ago, and I think they've gotten maybe three edible apples out of them since then. They put them in pies. They're good in pies. But, there you uh, go. Kind of, you know, ruins the fantasy of, you know, you think it's going to be like an orchard and then you go out there and you're like, well, we got one blossom this year. So, right. Um, (laughs) But anyway, uh, so what kind of a student were you then? I was a good student. I was a really good student. Uh, My family came, um, my grandparents were both professors in college in the Philippines. And uh, on my dad's side of the family, there were a lot of teachers too. So it was just kind of what we did. Mm-hmm. We we did well in school to the best of our ability. Um, yeah. What kind of subjects did you like? Were you interested in? I think my favorite was social studies, which is what I ended up teaching. Oh, um, I really really liked history. I liked all that kind of stuff, and um, there were a few teachers that really got me excited. So when it came time to pick a subject to teach, that was the one I chose. Mm-hmm. Just history and all that, and yeah. the way government works. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, so you were, you were about 11, 12 when you started doing theater for the first time. Did you have an interest in it before then? It doesn't sound like you did based on what you said. Well, I think my mom thought that I would be good at it because my sisters and I would always act out stuff. Uh. She had the original cast recording of My Fair Lady Mm. and we would put that on our, our stereo, a big console, you know, 1970s and my sisters and I would act out. The, the record as it played. And are you the older sisters or younger sisters? Or? Uh, I'm the oldest sister. I've got an older brother and then two younger sisters. Okay. Um, so, but that's interesting because your mom was the one who said, I think you'd be good at this. You should go do it. And yep. here you are and you're still doing it. Yeah. So I, she was right then. Yes. She was always right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, you may have mentioned this already, but what was that first play again? Uh, it was a reader's theater play, and I can't remember the name of it, but I played uh, like a housewife. It was kind of like Beverly Hills Wives, that kind of thing, you know, put mm-hmm. on a fancy dress and stuff like that. And, and was that like – were you bitten by the acting bug, so to speak, right Absolutely. Then? Absolutely. It was really fun, and the people that were involved in the in the theater were great, and I met a lot of my good friends that way. In fact, my husband and I met – uh, I think in the second play that I did in middle school. Wow. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, so that was it then. So what happened after that? You just kept auditioning. You were like, did, were you like immediately like, this is what I want to do with my life or, you know, what I don't happened? know if, if I wanted to do it with my life, but certainly while I was in school. And so every single play that I could try out for, I tried out for. So all through high school, 
I think uh, our school would do three to four plays a year. And whenever I could, I would try out for them. And then uh, they started a summer theater, like a community theater program. So then in the summers I was doing it. Then after I graduated and went to college, I would come back in the summer and do the theater there too. How many plays were you in during those years? I'd say like 17 to 20, something like that. So you bounced from one right to the other pretty much. You were always in one. Pretty much, yeah. I I took a break to be on the dance line (laughs) 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 once. I'm not sure what that was all about, but it was my – they were doing filler on the roof. So I was on the crew for that one. I was I was in charge of beards. Oh, I thought yeah. you were you were about to say beers for a no, second. No, there, no, so. no, 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 no. Beards, uh-huh. beards. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so high school goes by. You've been you're doing it constantly, unless mm-hmm. you have as, as as much as you're able to. Um. And then you go to college. So where did you go to college, and what happened in college? Okay, I went to Saint Olaf College. In Northfield, Minnesota, not too far from Apple Valley. And the reason why I went there was uh, when I was in high school doing a play, we had a student teacher from St. Olaf. Her name was Donna Werner, and uh, she worked with us on A Miracle Worker. And then she was in a play at St. Olaf, so we did a little field trip to go down and see her, and she was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, I want to I wanna be her. I want to be just like her. So she was at St. Olaf, so I applied to St. Olaf and went there. And what? And did you major in theater or? Mm-mm. I majored in religion and biblical studies. And what? What <laughs> did you want to do with that degree? Uh, for a while, I thought maybe I would be a youth pastor. Um, this kind of wave of uh, uh, Christianity went through my hometown, and a lot of my friends were born again, and it just got really intense. And I was really curious about it because I wasn't raised any particular religion. Both of my parents were Catholic mm-hmm. and at a certain point decided they felt hypocritical and stopped going. And so we didn't ever go as kids. And then when I was in high school, all of a sudden, all my friends were just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I got really intrigued with it and wanted to learn about it and wanted to read the Bible for myself and so I studied ancient Greek mm-hmm. so that I could, you know, do some translating and sort of get a feel for what all of this was about. So you can can you can you still read Greek then? Ah, uh, Alex, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I suppose I could probably do a few words, but but yeah, I haven't kept up with it at all. Um, but so you still did plays though at Saint. I tried Olaf. out for a few at, at Saint Olaf. I was in, I think, two. Mm-hmm. While I was there, and then, like I said, I would go home in the summer and do the summer show in Apple Valley. Um, and so, how long were you at St. Olaf's then? Four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. And what happened after that? Um, well, I married my college sweetheart that you'd met in the middle school. No, play. this no? is a different person. Oh, really? Yes. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Keep going. Intrigue. Yes. <laughs> and uh, he had a job in Taipei, Taiwan, mm-hmm. at an American school there. And so we got married and I went over to Taipei, Taiwan and taught middle school and was the drama director there. So I directed plays there and did a couple um, community theater plays with the expat community that was in Taipei. And then my husband and I split up Mm -hmm. after only two years and I came back to Minneapolis and I thought, all right, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to see if I can make a living as an actor. And so that would have been when when was this just uh, mm, let's see uh eighty seven late eighties then yeah late eighties okay yeah. so uh 
so what did you do? Like, what was your plan? You said, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. So what was, you moved back to Minneapolis and what was your plan exactly? Uh, first, I got a job at Brugger's Bagels <laughs> <laughs> to pay the rent, you know, uh, and then just started going to auditions mm-hmm. and got an agent and did a lot of industrial video work, um, non-union, uh, but I was unique looking back in the late 80s in Minnesota. When people would come to Minnesota for a look, they'd want the blonde hair, blue-eyed, Norwegian. Scandinavian yeah. descent. Yeah. And I kind of look like I'm not that and ambiguous enough, ethnically ambiguous. Mm-hmm. So whenever they needed like a minority looking person, I would get those jobs. Hmm. So for a long time, my agent thought I was Latina and sent me out on the Spanish speaking one. And I said, why, why <laughs> did you think I spoke Spanish? Is your name is Maria? You're Latina. I said, no, I'm half Filipino. I don't know how to speak Spanish, <laughs> but we managed. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's why it's good to, she should have asked you. I'm surprised that like wasn't on a questionnaire that you filled out or something when you got the agent. No. no. How, how did you get the agent? What was uh, that process she, like? She saw me in a show. Uh. Um, theater in the round was a community theater in Minneapolis. I believe it's still there. And um, it was in this district of Minneapolis where there are a lot of theaters. And so even though it was community theater, it was considered, you know, a high level, high production. And uh, she would come and scout. Mm. And so she scouted me and talked to me after the show once and said, I want to represent you. So. And how long had it been between when you, you moved back and when you, you got her and started just a jobs. couple months. Just so not that long then. No. It was pretty much you moved back, you said, I'm going to do this. And then you got an agent and you started getting paid jobs to act. Right, right. And because I had a theater background, it was easy for me to memorize. And mm-hmm. they were used to working with actors who had to have a teleprompter or they'd have to do a lot of takes. And so um, my nickname was One Take Kelly. <laughs> so I got to uh, I got asked back a lot. Uh, and you said it was a lot of uh, like industrial videos. Right. Right. Like like this is how you write a check and make sure you check for the phone number. Uh-huh. And then I did a whole bunch with Best Buy. Um, I was I think my name was Monica and I introduced their big event. And so every year after that, they would just have me come in and do the voiceover and change the year. <laughs> That's a reliable gig, though. You know? It was. It was. It was pretty good. It just occurred to me. This is a little bit of a tangent, but you mentioned that those were the types of things you did, commercials and things like right. that. I work at a factory in, in uh, outside of Hamtramck in Detroit, and we have a TV in our uh, break room or in the cafeteria, and I walked by it one day, and there's this commercial playing, and I'm 90% sure I saw you yes. sitting on a couch. Uh-huh. I don't know what it might, I think it was for insurance or something like that. <laughs> I'm not sure what it was, but I'm looking at it, I'm like, because it was just a split second. Right. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, I think that's Maria. But yeah. it was, so that was, was that you? That you're still was doing me. them? That was me, yes. Uh-huh. So you're still doing them then? Yes, I'm, I'm uh, with the I group. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so backing up then, uh, you're in Minneapolis, you're, you're doing these, these acting jobs. You're still acting in theater too, I presume. Right. Um, and uh, did you ever think about like moving to LA or New York or anything like that? Because I mean, Making it as an actor is hard enough. I mean, I, I was surprised to hear you got an agent in Minneapolis. I didn't know they had those in Minneapolis. So, <laughs> Yes, Alex, I have them in Minneapolis. <laughs> you know, I actually, I tried to get in with um, another agent, and uh, she looked at my photographs, and she said that with my look, I really needed to go to L.A. Mm-hmm. because people were coming to Minnesota 
to see the blonde hair, blue eye thing. And they said I would get a lot more work in L.A. But I just really wasn't interested. I went out and visited a friend who was working out there. And I just didn't like the vibe, didn't like the feel of it. And Minnesota was home. Mm -hmm. And so – and I was getting a lot of work. So why – if it's not broken, why fix it? Exactly. Exactly. So how long did that go on then in in Minneapolis? Um, I, I kept working, gosh, until I moved here. But a big change came when um, I decided to have kids. Mm-hmm. And for me at that time, the acting money just wasn't reliable enough. Plus, one needs health insurance and all that sort of stuff. And so I decided to go into teaching and get my teaching license mm-hmm. um, to kind of make sure that I had a steady income and all that kind of grown up stuff. And where did you go for that? Um, there was a cooperative program through um, – the St. Cloud State University, and uh, it was not to get a master's degree, but it was to encourage people of color and uh, underrepresented people in different fields, like men in elementary school mm-hmm. or anybody in special ed. They were really trying to uh, encourage people to become teachers, and so that was the program that I did. And that took you how long? Um, it was a fast track and so uh, it was like a year of education classes while at the same time doing a year of student teaching. Uh, so I would go to classes and then I was also in the classroom with mentor teachers for a full year. And so – and then you, you got out of it and you got a teaching job? It's I did. T- doing social studies? Yep. Mm-hmm. And what level did, were you teaching? Middle school. Middle school. Yep, because I loved middle school. That's where I wanted to hang out. You know, it's funny when I tell people that. They go, oh, my God, like – Junior high, uh, how yeah. did you do that? But I think they were they're hilarious. Mm-hmm. So many hormones, they're just bizarre, and I mean the girls can be evil, but it was a good time. I enjoyed it. It's that interesting mix between because there are still kids. It's you know elementary school and high school sort of mixed. Right. You've got some students that are growing mustaches and some that's still <laughs> like you know couldn't get on a roller coaster. Exactly. Um, exactly. So. Uh, I mean, did you stay in Minnesota then? I mean, you said you moved to Michigan, but I mean, like right after you got your teaching certificate, did you stay? And Yes. Yeah. I um, I moved to Michigan in 2014. You've only been here for five years. Yes. Yes. So up until that time um, in Minnesota. Wow. So that's like, I mean, because you got your teaching degree when? I'm going to guess. Let's like, say 1991, I think. Early yep. 90s then? Yep. Early 90s. I taught middle school for about. 10 years at two different schools and then uh, got my master's degree at St. Mary's University and uh, was kind of feeling antsy. And back in the olden days, Alex, we opened up the newspaper and looked at want ads. I remember. I'm not too old to to not remember those. (laughs) And I was going through the want ads and there was an ad from St. Olaf College Uh. saying, we'd love to have a master teacher come and join us for a year, take a leave of absence. And I thought, well, that would be hilarious. Yeah. So I applied and I got it. Full circle then. Yeah, full circle. And so were you there up until you came to Michigan? Yes. And Mm -hmm. so – were, during all this time, were you still acting? Were you able to, even after you had kids, were you able to slowly get back into it? Yes, actually, um, I kept on acting. There wasn't ever really a break. Mm-hmm. Um, what was difficult was working full time and raising kids and doing the acting thing. So the kids got schlepped to a lot of rehearsals because their father was also um, involved in theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I. I I think I probably did more directing and choreography than I did acting 
maybe like a 70-30 kind of a thing. Really? Mm-hmm. I worked with a youth development theater called Stepping Stone Theater, which is located in St. Paul, Minnesota. Great place, uh, committed to working with urban youth. And I really believed in their mission and really liked working with the kids there. Um, and then the other theater that I did more acting with was called Theater Moo. And that's the one of the largest Asian-American theaters um, in the country. And Rick Shiomi just happened to land in Minnesota. And I was very lucky and fortunate to be able to work with those folks. Mm-hmm. And the work that we did there was some of my favorite stuff because they really believed in helping new playwrights. And so I got to be a part of developing new scripts. And So you write too, huh? Not me, uh-huh. but being an actor for the playwright so they could workshop uh, the scripts and develop the scripts and then um, see them go to full production. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So you, I mean, I got to ask, how did you end up in Michigan then? I mean, you, you have, you, <laughs> it sounds like you, you, you'd set down roots, like you were, you were set, you know, you had this, you were teaching at the college that you went to that sort of inspired the whole, you know, your whole career in a way. And, and, uh, and you had your kids, you had your family and all that. You had this great, uh, volunteer work that you were doing. So how did you end up here? Oh, it's a love story, Alex. Oh, love story. Uh, so the father of my children and I, um, parted ways. And about that same time, I reconnected with the gentleman I spoke of that mm-hmm. I had met back in middle school. Mm-hmm. And what happened was our high school theater director, when we were in high school, directed a production of Pippin. Mm. Oh, okay. And now he was at a new high school and wanted to do Pippin again. And he said, wouldn't it be fun if my original cast came back and saw my new production of Pippin? And so a bunch of us came as sort of like a class reunion. And I saw Peter there. And we kind of said, hey, how's it going? And mm-hmm. lied to each other about how wonderful life was. <laughs> and then uh, through a series of, you know, emails and different kinds of connections, realized that his life wasn't going so well and my life wasn't going so well. And when everything was neat and tidy, he asked me out on a date, took me to see the new Star Trek movie. And that was that. <laughs> and so when did you – and you, you moved – so, but the new Star Trek movie came out in 2009, yes? So yes, that's when... that was our first date. And then we were married in 2012. Mm-hmm. And I had a young son who was still in high school. Mm-hmm. And I promised him, I said, I'm not going anywhere. You get to stay here and graduate with your friends, blah, blah, blah. And so Peter and I lived apart for a couple of years. He was here in Michigan and I was in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, sometimes when I tell people that, they say, oh, wow, that must have been really hard to be married but not together. And then there's some people that say, wow, that sounds really cool. Like, <laughs> tell me how that works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And so then after my youngest graduated from high school, kind of went, I guess maybe this is the time to go. And I was up for a sabbatical as a professor at St. Olaf. And I thought, all right, I'm going to take my sabbatical. I'm going to take a year, mm-hmm. move to Michigan, see what's going on. And, you're st- and you've been here since. I've been here since. So, I mean – what did you think when you first moved here? I mean, Michigan's – my mom's from Minnesota, so I'm familiar okay. with Minnesota. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, it, so it's not really that different. But, uh, I mean, Michigan's definitely more crowded, I would say. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, yeah. what just what was it like moving here, you know? Um, it was hard leaving, you know, family and friends and a career. Um, but it was also a great opportunity to kind of reset. And since I didn't have to teach full-time, 
I decided, all right, let's go back to trying to be an artist、mm-hmm. full time, and、uh, took a class, a pottery class at Creative Arts Studio, which is just down on Fourth here in Royal Oak, and just got bit by a bug. I just loved it. I had done some pottery before that, but this was、um, it just clicked this time, and and I started taking、um, acting classes, and I took.、Um, What's it called?、Uh, the the weekend at the Purple Rose, the really intensive、um, boot camp. Yeah, yeah. Acting boot camp there, and met some great people, and they kind of said, "Okay, here's how you do theater in Michigan," and kind of went from there. And was that like right after you moved here that you did all that, or did it take a little bit of adjusting? It took a little bit of adjusting. Yeah, I had a lot of unpacking to do and kind of settling in, but you know, eventually.、Um, The first play that I did was with Girls Point Theater,、mm-hmm. community theater. Great, wonderful people there, and、um, did a couple shows with them, and then started working other places, branching out. Yeah, and you've been busy since. I mean, you, yeah, you, you know, I gotta say, um, because, and I say this every show, but、uh, well, not every show, but every show that I've had <laughs> people that I met in this acting class、right. at the Purple Rose. Uh, you know, I met you last fall. You were in the first group that I was in. Right.、Um, we did a scene from Book of Days.、Uh, yes. It was you, me, Vanessa Sawson, another actress named、uh, Danielle.、Um, but、uh, I remember watching、uh, you and Vanessa and Danielle、uh, do because there were two parts to the scene. The first part was just me and Vanessa, and there was、right. kind of there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue, but it was you know there was a little it just.、Uh, There was more movement than dialogue in that scene, but your scene was all dialogue. You guys are just sitting there and, and talking. And I remember watching you guys, and I wanted to pull out my phone. My brother lives in L.A. and he、uh-huh. and he he、uh, he's an actor too, but he he also does other work. But um, I wanted to take a video of of you guys and be like, because that was when I realized like these people really know what they're doing. Like these are professional <laughs> actors. These are people that that can just take a scene. Like you said, you used to do it just you know to help people write their scripts. You could you could. You know, just read a line off the cup, and it was really interesting. And, and we were also getting directed by David Bendina. Yeah, David Bendina. And、mm-hmm. he, and so he would tell you guys to just, and it was just, it was so interesting to see. I mean, I, I'd been in plays in high school and stuff, but never professional anything. And it was so interesting to see him adjust, like make an adjustment to to your character, and then and then it would happen. You know, it's it sounds very simple the way that I'm describing it, but it was just it was a cool thing to see at at the time.、Mm-hmm. Um, So、uh, where was I going with that? So it's it's just、uh, it's interesting to you know to see that to see somebody who who very clearly knows what they're doing. Again, it sounds so goddamn simple, but it, again, it's it's a it's a nice thing to to see when、uh, when you witness somebody making art right in front of you. And、uh, and and then again, I had another acting class with you this this past February. I remember you did a scene where you, this woman was drunk and like she's giving she's reading the riot act to this this other woman, and、uh, and I was just, it was just really interesting to to to, to see somebody.、Uh, you, you make it look very easy. I guess is where I'm going <laughs> with all this. Oh, thanks, and, Alex.、Um, I hadn't had any real acting training until I got here. So what I had was a lot of experience. I was going to ask you about、yeah. that because you'd, you'd never taken classes like straight classes before, huh? No, not really. You know, I mean, high school acting class and a college theater class, but nothing to the to the level of what I've experienced here in Michigan. So did、uh, so? I mean, did you find that you were doing things right without even knowing it, and you just you kind of guessed right from your experience, or did, I mean? 
how was that jumping into these classes and getting actually trained? Were you kind of like, oh, wow, I've been doing this wrong the whole time? <laughs> yeah, I remember, I think, after that boot camp, that first class at the Purple Rose, I went home and went, okay, so that's how you're supposed to do it. Uh-huh. I think that I got a lot of bad training, a lot of bad um, assistance related to my acting. But I think that a lot of it, too, is sort of being comfortable with yourself. You know, I mean, basically... I'd like to approach acting as, is it's a version of me. It's me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so I think that I have some good instincts related to, you know, how to, how to do a role or how to approach a part in a play. But, um, I think that the acting classes that I've taken at the Purple Rose and Tipping Point Theater have made all the difference. Mm-hmm. Really? How many classes have you been in at this point? <laughs> I'm kind of a junkie. Are that, you? that actor director lab that we took. Yeah. I think that was my like fourth or fifth time. So you do it every year then, pretty much. Yeah, because the directors are different each time. And oh, that's the, true. Yeah. And the actors are different, and so it's an amazing. Well, you rem- you know it's an amazing experience. You get to work with all the different people, see the different styles. You get to watch people grow and learn and change and kind of come into that. Um, and all sorts of experience levels too. You know, somebody yes. like you has been doing it for you know twenty, thirty years now. Right. Right. So that's and against somebody like me who had just sort of <laughs> who signed up three days before on a on a lark and and you know and just showed up. Um, I'm going to fire some uh, some some quick uh, acting classes at you now that we've kind of got your biography down. Okay. We've got the general biography laid down. Uh, but uh, the first question is, what are who are your influences when it comes to acting? Like who are some actors or actresses that you admire? Uh, let's see. Um, I really like Patrick Stewart. Mm. I think that he's got this commitment. You know, I mean, he's this wonderfully trained actor and yet he just gave it all for Jean-Luc. Yeah. You know? I mean like he could have gone into it sort of feeling this is ridiculous, but I thought he he just owned it and I just was so impressed and anything I've ever seen him do. I was fortunate enough to see him in Waiting for Godot mm-hmm. um with Ian McKellen and that was I mean jaw dropping. I was just <laughs> you know, my mouth hanging open the whole time. Well, Jean Luc was so good; they brought him back. They got I that new wait. series coming I out. No, I saw the preview. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helen Mirren, mm. for the same reason, I think that she just takes a part and she gives it her all. And both of them don't take themselves too seriously. I think there's some actors that get a little. I don't know. It's kind of all in there about them rather than working with other people or, or exploring some vulnerable things. And I think that both Patrick Stewart and Helen Mirren do that. So Have, have they been in anything together? I'm trying to think. Wow, that's a great question. Because that would be a good combination. I'd like to see that. Even like know. just a two-person play or something right, like that. Right, Yeah. Okay, we'll have to figure that one out. Yeah, we'll, we'll IMDB it. Okay. Um, uh, what has been, and I know this is going to be a hard question because God knows how many shows you've done. You know, you did 17 in, in school alone, uh, before college, but, uh, what has been your favorite role that you've played? Oh, you had shared this question with me. This is a tough one. Can I do a couple? For Absolutely. Different reasons? Yeah. Okay. So Theater Moo, which I told you about, develops new scripts. And there was a script by Lauren Yee, um, fairly new playwright. She's got a lot done recently. Um, but one of her first plays was something called Ching Chong Chinaman. 
which is just an awful title, yeah. uh, but hilarious. And I got to be in the workshop development for that as the mother, Grace. And the reason why um, that stands out for me is that whole experience of working with a playwright and then having them make changes and then coming back and trying something new and something different. And it was just a crazy bit of theater. And it involved tap dancing and spandex and um, just some of the most fun I've ever had working on a production. I got to ask, what exactly was it about? (laughs) So the sort of um, about uh, Asian identity and uh, this family that is trying so hard to be American and also trying to embrace their Asian identity. And you find out all these ridiculous things like the kids are really adopted and they're not Chinese. They're Korean. And mm. the Ching Chong Chinaman comes from the young man um, is playing those uh, video games where you are playing with other people. And he realizes that he can't be playing the game if he has to do his homework. So he hires this Chinese immigrant to do his homework for him so that he can focus all of his time on this like World Warcraft, whatever the thing he's doing. And so the Chinese man becomes a part of this family and his dream is to become a dancer. So then he convinces the mom to help him make an audition tape for um, America's Best Dancer. And that's, uh, where, the and that's where all the spandex yes, came in. Yeah, uh-huh. crazy. All right, what else? Um I think that uh, I played Amanda Wingfield in Glass Menagerie at Monster Box fairly recently, and that was a part that I've always wanted to play. Um, it was very complex, and I think the timing of it, having to play a mother and also realizing that the memory of the mother is a negative one, mm-hmm. and yet being a mother, you always want to think, I'm doing the best thing for my kids and I'm great. But in fact, you know, my kids could probably write a play about me and how mm-hmm. I damaged them at this point. Well, nobody's perfect. Nobody's right? perfect, right? Yeah. Um, as far as another theatrical experience, I just did an understudy uh, for All My Sons mm-hmm. at Purple Rose. And I understudied two parts, Sue Bayless and Kate Keller. And um, Kate Keller, that role is just... Which one's Kate? Is that that's not the next door neighbor's wife? That's the mom, right? Yeah, that's the main. Yeah, yeah. And Michelle that, Mountain played that. Part. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Uh, we talked about that last week. Uh, I saw that, and it absolutely. I I was. I mean, we did scenes from that. I yes. believe you were Kate in mm-hmm. the scenes that we did at the tipping point for mm-hmm. that class. Uh, but I wasn't familiar with the show. I didn't know how it ended. Oh, okay. So, wow. So that was. Quite, I walked out. I saw it with another. Uh, uh, class attend attendee or whatever uh-huh. uh, anthony chiara uh and uh, i walked out and i was like jesus fucking christ that was like my weekend is ruined oh, <laughs> no. No. but uh <laughs> so did you ever get to go on then you were understudying I, I went on for sue bayless um i that part what when um Three different times. Um, I freaking missed it. Damn it. <laughs> well, a couple of them were pretty last minute. Oh, were they? Um, and so, yeah, it wasn't a whole lot of time to, to tell anybody or anything. So. Had you acted at the Purple Rose before then? No. So that was your first time then. So that's pretty cool. Yes. I've understudied for them a few times, but that was the first time I'd gone on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my last question, what as far as acting, uh, what is a role that you want to play that you have not played yet? Okay. Can I have a time machine? Sure. And can I have a really great singing voice? Absolutely. Okay, so if I get those two things, uh-huh. I've always wanted to play Anita in West Side Story. Uh. I feel 
Like I could do the acting. I could have done the dancing, but I was not a triple threat. Your agent thought you were Latina. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I was always in the chorus in the musicals. Um, I had a couple solos, uh, but there were character parts, you know, where you didn't have to sound pretty. Um, but I, I'm not a singer. So that really made a big difference in the, the kind of parts that I could take. Mm-hmm. Tell me about The Heiress, which is the show that you're in right now. Yes, yes. Oh, it's wonderful. Are you familiar with the story? I am not. Okay, so plain uh, plain woman who is very shy um, is going to get a lot of money, and this good-looking guy comes along and says, I'm going to marry you, and then you don't know. Does he really love her? Or does he love her for her money? And I play one of the aunties, and uh, it's been great fun because it's a period piece. So during rehearsal, we got to wear the – hoop skirts and it's really quite something to to manage the giant dress mm-hmm. and sitting down and walking around and looking like you've been wearing that all your life uh so that was a that was a fun challenge for the women in the show and the the play is at uh, a theater in toledo it's at the um the university of toledo in their uh theater which is a beautiful space mm-hmm. and um this is their premier production for the lakeside theater company um, and they have a few shows already for the rest of the season that they're getting ready to do. So I was really excited to be a part of their first production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when can we go see it? When is it airing? Uh, tomorrow Air matinee. Play. Tomorrow matinee. And then Friday, Saturday night, and then Sunday matinee. And then is that it? Yeah. It's done? That's it. I'm going to be out of town this week. That's all right, Alex. <laughs> You're forgiven. <laughs> uh, well, what do you, I mean, have you, uh, do you have anything else lined up right now after the heiress? I'm already in rehearsals for Boxfest, mm-hmm. um, doing a couple shows uh, for that. And then um real happy to be a part of the Purple Rose season. I'll be understudying for Paint Night, a new play by Carrie Krim. And then I'm actually going to be in uh, Walk Around the Table. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. t- Lauren was on two weeks ago, and uh, she wrote that and yes. is directing it, too, I believe. She is. And uh, she said you were in it. That's right. Yes, yeah. I play the grandmother. That's right, and that's a big role. I'm so excited. It's like the role, I believe. <laughs> so congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank you. Thank you. And that'll be next summer, I know. A long time from now, but mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> uh, so um, let me decide where I want to go with this next. Uh, oh, BoxFest. You mentioned BoxFest. What is that? I've never heard of that. Okay. BoxFest is, um, gosh, I wish I knew how many years it's been going on in Detroit, but it's meant to um, develop uh, female directors. And so you can apply to direct mostly 10-minute, roughly 10-minute short plays that playwrights can submit mm-hmm. for selection. And then um, it's a festival, the theater festival. So for – a week or so in August, you can go and see different female directors giving it their all and, and having their pieces put up there. And it's really great. I used to do a Minnesota Fringe Festival back in Minneapolis. So this is kind of reminiscent of that. But I especially appreciate the opportunity for women to get a chance to um, try out that seat. And then there's a contest. So if you want to be a part of that contest and you win, you can then get an internship with a theater. So the woman that I worked with last year, she ended up um, assistant directing at Tipping Point. 
And um, the woman, one of the women that I'm working with this year, she won an opportunity to direct the um, the Sandbox Festival, which is also through Tipping Point. So it's a great way for women to kind of get a toe in and start uh, that directing. Where, when, where is it held? It's held at Planet Ant in Hemtramck. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about Miss Maria Made. You kind of already mentioned this when you got bit by another bug after you moved to, to right. Michigan, the uh-huh. ceramic bug. Uh, yeah. But you, you made me this really cool little <laughs> Godzilla that I uh, out of out of uh, out of ceramics, and it's this. It's a very detailed, tiny Godzilla. And uh, I'm going to put it on my uh, my guitar amp when I get home, where I display all my other. Oh, I'm so glad you like stuff. it. And yeah. you're also wearing one around your neck I now. I am so. wearing a Godzilla. Yeah, he's kind of my spirit animal, if I can say that. That's, um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, lots to unpack there. That's yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, people started asking if I could make them something. Like, could you make me a bowl, or could you make me this, or could you make me that? And I thought, well, maybe I could sell stuff and make a little money on the side. Certainly not, you know, a a lifelong thing or anything that I thought would make me millions of dollars, but I figured, okay, let's give it a try. And Miss Maria was what some of my students used to call me when I was a teacher. So I kept that name. And um, I've been doing pretty well, actually. Uh, Some people try and give me business advice, like, here's how you could grow your business and make millions. And I think I can barely keep up with the orders that I have right now. Uh So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. What do you, what do you, I mean, is it mostly bowls or stuff? Like, what do you make? Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I think um, I recently made a bowl for someone who makes guacamole. So he wanted a guacamole bowl. Yarn bowls. People Mm. that are knitters have asked me to make yarn bowls. Um, What I try to do as an artist is have a different goal each year something to shoot for and aim for. And for some reason, don't ask me why, I decided 2019 was the year of tiny. And I wanted to see how small I could go Uh. and how detailed I could go. And I, um, well, Danielle, who was in our acting class, was wearing this necklace, this teeny tiny little animal of this potter that I follow on Instagram. And um, they're impossible to get because as soon as she puts them up in her Etsy shop, they're gone. And I thought, okay, something's going on. People must really like little tiny ceramic animals. So I thought, okay, I'll give that a try. And so I started doing that this year. And they are very popular. Uh, but the thing that I think I've done the most consistently are people's pets. Oh. Um, an actor that I worked with, the first show I did uh, as an understudy at Purple Rose, um, had this adorable dog, Bucky. And he asked if I would make a Bucky for his wife for Christmas. And so he gave me a bunch of photographs and I made a little ceramic Bucky and he posted it. And then a friend of his saw it and said, I want you to make my dog. And then someone had a cat and then off to the races. There you go. So a lot of pets. Where can people find this if they want to request things or do or put in an order? Yep. They can find me on Facebook, Miss Maria Maid, or on Instagram. All righty. Um, so speaking of this small uh, uh, figure that figurine that you you made <laughs> right. for me. Uh, when we were in the group together uh, at the Purple Rose, I was following you into Chelsea one day. I didn't know it was you, but I was I was following this this Mini Cooper <laughs> that had a license plate that said Manila. Now Manila yes. is Godzilla's son. Yes, baby Godzilla. And uh, and I was like, that seems like too big of a coincidence to for that to not be a Godzilla reference. Mm-hmm. And uh. And so, and once I realized it was the person, you know, a person that I was in the class with, I was following this person that we were going to the same place. Uh I was like, 
I asked you and you said, oh, yeah, I'm a Godzilla fan. I've been a Godzilla fan since I was a small child, which is yes. typically when you become a Godzilla fan, right? So right. how did that happen for you? Like, when did you get into Godzilla movies? Oh, I think it's just, you know, Saturday afternoon reruns on television. And I just really was attracted to the big monsters and the story, you know, that he starts out the bad guy. But in the end, he's really the good guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I just the, – the campiness of it and the special effects – and um, I think one of my favorites was was the baby Godzilla once. Uh, gosh, I get. I think There's a couple. There's Godzilla's Revenge, right? Um, right. Which is also known as Son of Godzilla. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, destroy. He was in Destroy All Monsters too, I think. Right, right. And then there's a cuter updated because the original one looked kind of like this like frog thing and he and he talked in one of them you know yeah. this the english dub his voice sounds <laughs> right, like this right, sounds like right. patrick from spongebob yes um uh, that's the one i have on my dashboard oh really <laughs> he, he sits up there in my car and then there's a cuter one that, uh, that actually looks like a tiny godzilla with the plates on his back and everything and he's in godzilla versus space godzilla i want to say in the 90s have you ever seen that one that doesn't spin. No, uh-uh. That's the, don't watch it because I've I've never seen it myself, but I've been told he dies. So, oh my gosh, tiny oh, Godzilla okay. dies. The one that stands out in my mind is there was a kid, a little kid, mm-hmm. and he would have these fantasies, and the baby Godzilla was in his fantasies. Right, he was getting bullied, and yes! and the kid That's and the, the baby Godzilla Manila was also getting bullied by a giant monster, and so as Manila learns to stand up for himself exactly. against this giant, it was supposed to be a giant toad. It didn't look like a toad. His name was Gabara. Look at uh, the cat. Yeah, yeah, he did. He looked like he had like bumpy, warty skin, and then he had, <laughs> but then his face was very feline. Yes, right. Um, but Godzilla teaches his son how to kick ass, and so as that happens, then the little boy learns to stand up exactly. for himself, and everybody goes home happy. Right, right, right. Okay. What was the first movie you saw, though? The first Godzilla movie you saw? The original. Oh, 1954 or the Steve Martin, uh, Raymond Burr, American uh, Um the, the Raymond Burr mm-hmm. version. Same um, here. I think that was that was the very first one that I saw, and then I remember Mothra, and uh, and then the what is it Techno Godzilla? Oh, Mecha Godzilla. Techno Godzilla. You know what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then, but then the baby Godzilla ones were my favorite. Oh, okay. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I, I remember the first one I saw was uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, which was the Raymond Burr, where he's very seamlessly added into the original 1954 it's really interesting version. If you watch both of them, yeah. Of course, my kids got me the whole you know box set of Godzilla, and so you can watch the original. Godzilla, and then you can watch what they did when they stuck Raymond Burr in there and made it into you know a completely different movie. Right, but it's it's interesting because you know you saw you see that first one, you never would have known that he was. I mean, I didn't. I mean, yeah, I was. How old was I? I was probably like six or seven. So you're not that smart anyway. Right. But uh, even watching it now, I you can't really t- tell that it's as far as him getting it, it being made two years before, and then him getting everything with Raymond Burr getting shot and then inserted into that movie that was shot two years before, it's pretty damn well done. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty seamless. Um, and the original is so much darker. Yes. And, and that is a straight horror movie. Yes, exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, and then the, the, uh, the Raymond Burr one is a more... I mean, it's still a, a dark movie, but it's it's more campy. It's they yes. were They were dialing up the camp again at that point. And the first movie I saw... Where he fought a monster was Godzilla versus the sea monster. And two things happened in that movie. The first one was Mothra was in that. So yes. I, that was where I got introduced to Mothra. Uh-huh. So right away I'm like, wait a minute. 
there are more of these things and he and he fights them. Right. What a great fucking idea because I was totally fine with just giant dinosaurs going around the city destroying things. Right. But then it turns out that there's this whole other universe where he gets to battle these other giant creatures and and uh and yeah, that was all I that was what I was known for liking as a child was mm-hmm. was Godzilla. I was off I was off after that. Um so I mean like have you seen – we talked about this a little bit before we went on the air, but you, you said you liked the most recent one, I King did. of the Monsters. What did you think of 2014? Uh, that one was okay too. I think that they were trying. Uh, I think people said, you know, more monster, more monster. But if you look at the Godzilla movies, he doesn't show up. I mean the action doesn't happen until the end anyway. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of wondering, what are you comparing it to? Like, you know, well, what I And here's the thing. Uh, so here we go. But uh, the, <laughs> the thing is – and I realized this after because I didn't really like the second one. Uh-huh. I was I was disappointed. And yes, I, I I realized part of it is that I'm spoiled and that I want it to be my way. And, and this right. is not for a 33 year old man. <laughs> this is a this is a child's thing. Yeah. But uh, in the old Godzilla movies, because of the special effects, these guys just in suits. Yeah, it was expensive, and yeah, they had to coordinate and everything. But you would get uninterrupted monster fighting for minutes at a time. Yes. It was a long. Mm-hmm. drawn out battle yes it was cheesy yes the dubbing was terrible yes it was very obviously men in suits but it was still up there and with these they remade freaking Ghidra the three-headed monster <laughs> right. and they're and the thing that I had the main issue again like you said people with the 2014 version they're like why is there not more it wasn't so much that there was not enough I thought his entrance was awesome I right. thought that that was the, the story was fine there were a lot of things that movie had going for it but they cut away from the battles. The first time they did it was it was kind of like ah ha ha yeah that's that's an interesting way to do it and see it on TV with the kid on the couch and everything. Uh-huh. But the fifth time they did it, it just felt like a ripoff. And so when I went into to King of the Monsters, I was like, oh man, no cutaways this time. We're gonna get these extended battles. We're gonna see and and you know with modern special effects and it's gonna kick ass. And then they cut away again uh-huh. and again and again. And by like halfway through, I was like I was like I understand that CGI is expensive, but Come on, you know, don't, don't, don't tease me like that. You know, it could have been, I don't know. Again, I understand that I'm spoiled and, and, and all right. that, but, uh, but still it was, it was sort of, uh, I, I walked outside. I will say this. I saw it a second time and I walked out and I was like, that wasn't as bad as I remembered it being the first <laughs> time, but it was still, uh, it was there, there, it was still a missed opportunity. There were a lot of missed opportunities in there, but you were fine with it though. You said, you said that you, yeah, uh, I enjoyed them. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like, cause my, my, I had no expectations because yeah. you know, when I, you, know, you get your expectations that you're only going to be disappointed. And I said this time too, with this, cause that was my problem with the first one. Uh-huh. I watched every teaser. I found every little thing I could right, find online right. going up to the, to the premiere and with this one, I said, I'm not going to get hyped. I'm not going to get hyped. And of course, I got hyped, and now I'm sitting here bitching about it. So, Well, I have to ask you a question. What about Pacific Rim? Are you a fan? I loved Pacific Rim because Pacific Rim didn't try to be anything else, and the monster battles were pretty significant. Yes. They were huge chunks of the movie. I got to see a giant robot hit a giant monster in the face with a ship. So that was... Pretty good stuff. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of it? I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And anytime someone says, I've never seen it, I sit down, I make them watch it. Mm-hmm. That one has been better. I mean, it's a different tone. It's more comic booky. Right. It's sort of like what Marvel... If Pacific Rim was Marvel, Godzilla was the DC. You know, <laughs> that's what they're trying to do. The Godzilla is supposed to be dark and, uh-huh. and, and brooding, whereas Pacific Rim is really flashy and all these really acid neon colors and... And Guillermo del Toro is one of my favorite directors, and he 
brings such a childlike, you know, wonder uh, to that type of to that type of thing. I mean, it is for twelve year old boys. He, but it, it's that's I think that's kind of the problem with the 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 monster verse is that it's marketed for kids and it's supposed to be for kids, but they're trying to give it an adult tone and it just doesn't gel for me. No. It's trying too hard. Um, so, but Pacific Rim was, I walked out of that very satisfied. That was sort of the first, because that came out in 2013. That was sort of the first monster movie of this wave of monster movies that we've had. Uh-huh. So I'll be seeing Godzilla versus Kong next year, even though oh, I don't, yeah, absolutely. I don't have much confidence in the director <laughs> from what I've read about him and, and, and other things, but I don't, I'll still go watch, even if it's just for, you know, a couple of quick shots, I'll watch Godzilla and King Kong beat each other up. Why yes, not? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, well, we're, believe it or not, we're actually, uh, we're winding down here. This is, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, I kind of already asked this, but uh, besides uh, some of the shows that you got coming, like BoxFest and all that, what else do you have coming up? Like what's what's going on in the future? Well, um, like I said, Purple Rose is off in the distance. And between that time, I'm going to be traveling uh, with um, the International Ceramics Association. I'm going to Bali um, and going to learn how to do some raku pottery there. And Wow. When's that? That is in October. And how long are you going to be gone for that? Mm, a little over a week. Well, that'll be an experience. You, uh, you haven't been to that part of the world since Taiwan, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're working with Gaia Ceramica, which is a, a pottery studio, school, mecca place that I've always wanted to go to. So I'm very excited. And that's pretty much your life now is, is, is making – uh, ceramics and acting, right? Is it do you you don't have a day job right now? Um, that is my day job. I like to think of it as you know I'm trying to be a professional, and that's what I do. Uh, I play around in the garden a lot these days, but other than that, and uh, what about your kids? Are they into Godzilla? Are they into <laughs> acting? What are they up to? Yeah, I think they both like Godzilla. Um, uh, let's see. My oldest, Paris, uh, is in Minneapolis, and uh, he and his partner now are are trying to summer on the farm. So mm. they're 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 living off the grid. And uh, prior to that, he was a librarian. And um, my youngest, Angelo, just graduated from Loyola University last spring and was able to get a job in his field, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, he's into aquaponics, so he's working with a firm outside of Chicago. And uh, doing what he got his training for. So. Aquaponics is he? What's he growing? <laughs> <laughs> this company is actually uh, trying to make um, the the systems to sell to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and my son Angelo was in charge of the aquaponics and the greenhouse at Loyola. I don't know if you've ever seen the setup. It's basically fish, right? And then the fish do what fish do, and that water goes up to the plants, and the plants feed the fish. So it's sort of this ecosystem. Ah. Um, and they could grow amazing-looking plants and vegetables and things that way. And so it's just a way of taking a look at how to do things differently. All right. Well, Maria Kelly, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, it's been great Alex. talking to you. Yeah. Um, we will see you uh, if uh, if not before uh, in a walk around the table uh, next and, and many other things uh, we will we will check you out but uh, thanks again for coming on um, I will be back next week uh, I have a couple of buddies of mine coming back 
uh, Ella Hutchinson, Nate Hopkins, and for the first time, Brett Bronner, who said he was going to be on, so he uh, he can't he can't uh, back out of it at this point. It's on the record, um, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, being going up north and vacationing up north. That's where I'm going to be this weekend. I'm going up north to the old Mission Peninsula to see some friends, and uh, we're going to shoot the shit and have a good time next week. And uh, I will talk to everybody then. So everybody have a great week. Maria, thank you one more time. Thank you, Alex. And this has been American Winer on podcastdetroit.com.